0: Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our senior pastor, James Aiden. Welcome to our new series today called Relationship Status. If we've never met, my name's James. I'm so glad you're here in the room. I'm glad that you're watching online with us as well. What is your relationship status? I don't know why. There's so many people with phones right now that are holding them up, all taking photos. Turn to your neighbor and say, what's your relationship status? Anong relationship status mo? Remember, do you remember when Facebook just changed the game on relationship status? Like, I know some of y'all are, are so young that you don't remember a world without Facebook, right? But for some of us, seasoned, staying alive this Friday night, huh? Staying alive. I've heard that we've got doctors on hand just in case. Just to make sure everyone stays alive. But for those of you that remember a pre-Facebook world, right, a lot of times you wouldn't know the status of someone's relationship unless they, you know, told you. Do you remember that? Do you remember human interaction? Does anybody remember? And then Facebook came in, and all of a sudden we now had the new status. Do you remember how exciting it was when you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you changed status? Into, into, in relationship. And everyone would comment on it. Wow, congratulations. Amazing, wonderful. This is beautiful. But no one thought ahead. Because no one realized that if you change your relationship status to in relationship, if it didn't work out, you'd have to change it back. And do you remember how awkward that was when you had to change it back and it would come up on Facebook no longer in a relationship? And then to make things worse, especially in the Philippines, because we have no shame. We comment on everything. People just comment. Wow. Sorry. Wow. People would just get on there, you know, so... are you ready game huh right people will come I love that I thought that I would laugh when people would break up I know that's wrong because I'm a (laughs) I'm a pastor but I would just laugh because I know how awkward it would get on Facebook with all these relation statuses well we're starting a new series today that's going to go for six weeks and we're going to be talking about what whoa some of you are like whoa We do. That's too much talking about relationships. Well, don't worry. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about loneliness. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about how to resolve conflict. And at the end, in six weeks' time, I'm going to preach about sex. Wow, y'all got really quiet just then. So we're going to talk about all these different things over the next month and a half. But today, I wanted to introduce this series, kind of set it up for everyone. And I want to give you an, I think, the best answer that you can give to what is your relationship status. And that answer is this: What's your relationship status? I have a godly relationship. That's my relationship status. I have godly relationships. I want to be upfront. And I want to address the elephant in the room, and it's this: This message that I'm preaching today looks far different than the exact same topic that I potentially would have preached two and a half years ago. Why? Because COVID, COVID has changed how we do relationships. It's widened the cracks of social distance in our society. I mean, come on, for two and a half years, we've been yelled at social distance right how healthy do you think that is on our emotional well-being social distance everywhere you look please social dishes the guards come up with the paddles social distance social distance stickers on the ground in case you forget stickers stand here we all stand here stand here right my son has just turned four years old For the entire lifespan of his memory, he's been yelled at to socially distance. This this has effects. It has effects on our children, and whether we want to admit it or not, it's had effect on us as adults. The last two and a half years, there's residue on us. Socially distant, socially distant. Wear a shield, wear a mask, wear all these things, wear a full PPE suit to go to the supermarket. I want you to know that if you did that, I love you. We did crazy things in COVID. Two of our staff members, I won't say who they were, but two of our staff members, after they would finish practicing for worship, they would, get, they would get their deliveries downstairs. They would go downstairs of their condo. They would come upstairs with the delivery of the food. At the door, they would take all their clothes off at the door, go to the shower, take a full shower, and then come back in every time they went out. I'm not naming names but they're brilliant worshipers. (laughs) COVID made us do stupid and crazy things. And when it comes to this social distance that has completely entered our society, if we're not careful, it will have lasting effects on society and even more damaging, it'll have lasting effects on us. Now, before the YouTube theologians get angry that I haven't mentioned the Bible yet, just wait, this isn't some psychological TED talk that we're gonna be talking about relational distance. This is very much a spiritual thing. Social distancing goes against everything that the bible teaches us on how to have relationships with people and to fulfill our primary call which is to love god and to go and to disciple people in the book of acts we can see how god grew the church it says this in acts chapter 2 this is after the day of pentecost this is after peter gets up preaches three thousand people get saved right at the end right at the end of the chapter it has this few little verses it says this in verse 46 every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising god and enjoying the favor of all the people and the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love that last bit. Added numbers. Jesus, give that to our church now in Jesus name. But how did the Church of Jesus Christ grow? How did the New Testament church grow so that you and I 2000 years later are still a part of this same organism, this this living and active thing called the church? How did it grow? Simply it, it tells us they met together at church. They met together at home, and they praised God together. And what's the result? People got saved. God has designed you and I to do life with other people. He designed the church to grow by doing life with other people. But when COVID hit the world and when COVID hit the church, we had to get creative about it. And so we made great advancements. Our church, in particular, went from zero to 100 very quickly. We went from no podcast, no sermon online, nothing, to all of a sudden, in three days, we had online church, we had a podcast, and it opened up this whole new world to us. And we were forced to do things to be creative, but can I just tell you this? that nothing, 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 nothing replaces sitting across from someone and connecting with them. So I've got to ask you today, what's your relationship status? Is the mask that you wear just a tool of distancing yourself from meaningful connections? There's three main areas that I want to encourage you to engage with With people, or for some of us to re engage with today, and it's your friends, to re engage with your friends, to re engage with finding a life partner, and to re engage with your siblings and your family and your church friends. How can we have godly relationships in these areas? re-engaging ourselves with people after we've been told for two and a half years to distance ourselves. I got to tell you this, Zoom is fantastic. I'm so thankful for Zoom. I'm thankful for all the online video chats. I have family all around the world. I'm thankful for the online video, but video is never the same as being in the room. When we were preparing our church to come back to physical services, we were one of the first churches in the Philippines to do it. Uh, Why? Because we had a conviction that when the Bible said in Hebrews 10, 25, to not give up meeting together, that if we could physically do it, we need to physically do it. And I think we've been proven correct that we did it. And so as we were leaning in about to do this, I gave the analogy. Some of you might remember this. I preached this analogy that there's a huge difference between going to a concert and watching it at home on your TV. And there's a huge difference in the price as well right? Why is it a lot cheaper to buy the Blu-ray or to download it off- offline the concert than it is to go? Why? Because there's just something about being in the room. There's just something about being with other people next to you in a concert, looking at the thing. It's, it's so different than sitting in your lounge room, watching it, on TV, and the same has to be said for church as well. It's so different being in the room than it is watching online. I I did online church with all of you. I did it with you guys. I sat and watched it, and it it was it wasn't awesome. I'm trying to worship my kids. I don't want to worship them. I'm like, be quiet, worship God. We're the pastors. If we can't do this, nobody else will do it. uh, uh," Right? Everyone's angry in my house. I'm like, be quiet. The preacher's about to preach. They're like, daddy, it's you. I know. Shut up. (laughs) Listen to me. Right? Like it was really tough. But man, when you get back in the room, I had people, I've had people cry nearly every week going, this is my first time back to church. It's getting less and less now because more and more people have been back. I'm just crying being there's something about being in the room. Zoom is not a greenhouse where relationships grow and flourish. It is a necessity birthed out of the desire for human interaction that has been made impossible by time, by distance, by by oceans, all apart. Zoom is a necessary evil, but it's great, it works. I'm not against Zoom but Zoom does not replace real life. We tried, oh boy did we try. If any of you have kids, we tried. We did Zoom birthday parties. Do you know how pathetic Zoom birthday parties were? And us parents had to act like it was the greatest thing in the world. Oh kids, you're not missing out, this is amazing, look. There's a magician online. He's awesome. Yeah, the internet's frozen, but just wait. You're going to see the card come out at the end. Right? We had to do, I did Zoom parties with my own kids, and I'm sitting there lying to them. I'm just lying to them. This is great. It was terrible. Am I the only one that thought it was terrible? What, but we, we had to do it. But just because we had to do it doesn't mean that we have to stay there. It was a necessary evil when we couldn't go out, but now we can't get out. It's my birthday. It's my daughter's birthday tomorrow. Guess what? We ain't doing a Zoom party. <laughs> We're going to Kid Zuna and she's gonna run around and get sweaty and blah, with other children. Why? Because that's what life is. Life relationship is not meant to be done on Zoom. It's meant to be done in person with people. So how do we, for some of us, engage, for some of us, re-engage and strengthen our godly relationships? First thought today is this. Well, I've said it 10 times, but we have to re-engage. This is a choice. COVID has made it easy for some of us to pull away from relationships. For some of us, it was forced. For others, they used it as a perfect excuse to pull away. God has not called his church to live a disconnected life. We are called to live a life connected by and connected through Jesus Christ and each other. Romans 12 verse 4, Paul writes this. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, that's who we're bound by, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. If you're taking notes, if you want to underline your Bible, you just got to underline that last little bit. Each member belongs to all the others. So if you're a Christ follower, guess what? You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Jesus, and ultimately you belong to his church. And Paul is talking here that the fact that, listen, we're all members. We've all got different functions that we play in the church, but the reality is that each one of us belongs to each other. We have been called to be in community to play a part, whether it's serving, whether it's loving, whether it's giving, whether it's sacrificing, whether it's eating together. We've all been called to play a part in this community. Whatever it is, we have been called to one another, I love this phrase, one another. It's a really interesting phrase. It's found uh, 100 times in the Bible. 94 of those times it's found in the New Testament and 47 of those times in the New Testament it's direct and clear instructions to how Christians should treat one another, right? Let me give you a couple of examples. Colossians 3 verse 13, it says this. Oh, I love and hate this verse all at the same time. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Isn't that the best verse to receive from someone else, but one of the hardest verses to give to someone else? Come on, some of y'all are angry right now at a person in your life, and you're like, James, don't read that verse again. Don't, stop, don't. But we're called, what? We're called to bear with one another, love one another like Christ loved us. That's your Christian walk, to reflect Jesus. To live the way Jesus did. The Bible goes through and tells us so many different things we have to do. Another one, First Thessalonians 5:15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to who? To one another, and to everyone. You get the idea. I could give you the other 92 verses in the New Testament talking about this. But what's Jesus calling us to do through the Word of God? He's calling us to live a life connected to one another, loving one another. COVID stole so much of that. COVID even stole something that we were supposed to do biblically. COVID stole the beso beso. Right? Before COVID, hi! Now, voila! You know what the Bible says about beso beso? Did you know the Bible talks about beso beso? Did you know that? It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 14, greeting one another with a kiss of love. Some of y'all young single men just got real happy. (laughs) Hey, sorry, girl. A pastor told me that I got (laughs) to send the Bible. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a man of God following the word of God. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Let's go. COVID has stolen so much from us, but it's, time for us to re-engage. How are we doing this as a church community? Well, well, the first is this, is that we're meeting together. We took this really seriously during the pandemic. We, we followed all the government rules. We did everything the government told us to do, but we really took it seriously to not give up meeting together. And so, we, we met. As soon as we could physically do it, we met. We moved into this building so that we could have, when we had all the 30% only allowed, so that we could actually meet. We were doing four services at one point on a Sunday in here. We took it really seriously to meet together, but Sunday services aren't the only time we meet. Something that we value so, so highly, as much as a Sunday service in our church, is our connect groups. We value our connect groups. You just saw that absolutely wonderful testimony of the power of connect groups. We value connect groups in our church, and COVID forced us to begin to do connect groups online. And at the beginning, it was kind of fun and exciting. Do you remember? Do you remember two and a half years ago when we all got locked in and, like, we'd get online and we see each other and be like, "Oh!" Ah! Hi, because we couldn't see anyone, and it was exciting. We would do, like, family nights and church events, and then afterwards, we'd all stay online for two hours, sometimes three hours, just joking and laughing. Why? Because we had nothing else to do. We had nowhere to go. We were, it was illegal to go outside, and we couldn't do anything, right? So it was all exciting. Do you remember the moment in your life when the excitement changed? Everyone has that moment. I don't know about you, but I, know, I remember my moment when it's like, I, I don't wanna be on this. <laughs> Do you remember? I had a moment, we had all day staff meetings, all day on Zoom. We're all at home, all in our underwear. It was fantastic, and, and we have meetings all day, and we got to about 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon, and I just said, guys, I'm done. They're like, what? We have me." I go, nope, I just need, I need 30 minutes. I just need a break from this, because I hate Zoom, and I hate you. I just can't, I can't deal, I can't. Do you remember that moment when it wasn't fun anymore? When when this real life thing called Zoom fatigue began to kick in? I'm telling you, there was something about being in, the room. There is something about praying together. There's something about laying hands on each other and praying. The Bible shows us the importance of what it means to be in the room, to lay hands and pray. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, it says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Even the gift of God The gifts of God that that come out in our lives, what? They get given to us by the laying on of hands of other people as we pray for you, rubbing shoulders with someone. I always say this. Doing church is not just watching a sermon online. Shout out to everybody watching online. But you're not doing church. You're just watching a sermon. Church is rubbing shoulders. Church is getting offended and then choosing to forgive. Church is being generous. Church is sacrificing. Church is serving. And so we wanna re engage, especially when it comes to connects. So we are encouraging all of our connects to come back to physical meeting in our connects. Come on, can you clap your hands? Now, many, many, many have been doing this. Obviously, if you're in the room right now, you're like, ooh, yeah, of course, we're already out. We're here. But there might be some some people online that's like, oh, oh, wait, what are we doing? Listen, we want to encourage you, just like I've been encouraging you for the last two and a half years, that there's something special when you meet together. There's something special when you sit across a table. Do do you know one of the greatest tools to grow a church and to grow the kingdom of God is actually eating with one another? That was one of the blueprint marks that was given to us in Acts chapter two. They broke bread and they ate together. Do you know how many relationships have been deepened across my dining room table? In my house, eating together, drinking, well, Kate drinks the coffee and I drink the water together with people, deepening, being with one another. And so we are encouraging you, sign up for a connect group. We're going to be physically meeting with our connects. We're going to encourage everyone to get to and, we're get, and because we're growing as a church, what's great about this is it means we have more availability for connects all over the Metro Manila. We have more availability for people in your stage, your age of life. We've got the season. We've got the adults with favor pro. We got young adults with favor movement. We've got favor youth doing it. Every, we've got them all for our teenagers up. We've all got connect groups. And so So I want to encourage you, re-engage. But pastor, it's awkward and uncomfortable when I go. It's, yes, of course it is. It was awkward when I started the church and people came into my home that I didn't know as well. You think it's awkward, it's more awkward for me. You're coming in my house, I don't know you. It's awkward all around. But every relationship starts awkward and it gets better along the way as you get to know people. People. So take the risk, have some guts, get out there, join a connect group. We wanna encourage you the same way that Paul encouraged the Galatians. In chapter five, verse 13, he said, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Maybe you going to a connect group is less about what you'll receive and more about what you can give. You know when you know that someone's really a part of a church is when they stop going just to receive and they start going to give as well. That's when you know you're really a part of a community. So we must love and serve one another in love. Talking about re-engaging, I wanna encourage people to re-engage with finding a life partner. Now, this this isn't for everyone in this room right now, uh, but this is for people who are single- And ready to mingle I want to encourage you re-engage put yourself out there young men get some get some guts make sure that you're in the right place before you bring someone else into your mess but get some guts and ask a girl out on a date girls listen to me coffee doesn't mean marriage just chill. A coffee is a coffee. Don't sit there and be like, oh, thank you so much for asking me out for coffee. <laughs> Reengage. Don't just have crushes. One of the things we say in our church is this we crush the crush culture. The crush culture in the Philippines is a terrible culture. It's a culture where we tell a 100 people that we like someone without ever telling the person that we like them. That's a terrible way to start a relationship. If you don't have the guts to have that conversation, you're not going to have the guts to deal with the real issues in your relationship. And when you have real issues, you'll do the same thing. Go to 100 other people about your po- Oh, now I'm preaching. So if you like someone, God bless you. Tell them. Don't tell a hundred other people. Oh, I have crush. And then the other person, oh, see no. And then you're like, I don't want to tell. Right, it's a stupid guy. Oh, don't no, tell me, I won't tell anyone. Are you sure? Do you promise you won't tell anyone? Yes, of course, Siempre I won't tell anyone. And then they go and tell 10 other people. (laughs) Hey, but I told them I won't tell anyone, so don't tell anyone, okay? Secret between you and me. Right? Hey, so re-engage. I want to challenge you. Re-engage with family, with friends, with your church community more than just this. Like after church on a Sunday, do, do you know how terrible these masks are? for for connection with people. There are some people that I only knew you with a mask. (laughs) Have you been surprised when anyone's taken off your mask? You're like, oh my God. (laughs) You're not who I thought you were. (laughs) Just please, please put it back. You have very beautiful eyes. (laughs) Your eyes are very beautiful. Please cover your face, your eyes. But you know how terrible these masks are for for relational connection? They're terrible. You don't know if they're smiling, if they're angry. And, And listen, the government says wear your mask the rest of the world's kind of getting over it, but, you know, we know best here in the Philippines. Um, but, but don't let masks be a barrier. Like, just try a little harder. Do you know how awkward it is for me when I talk to someone on a mask? It's awkward for me to do this. Right? It sucks. But do you know why I do it? Because I want to hear what they're saying. I know some of y'all don't even know what other people are saying. You've just gone... I can't hear them. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You... Someone's like, I'm having a really tough day. I'm dealing with a lot of emotions and I just feel really sad. <laughs> so you know what I do? I do this stupid awkward thing and I go like this. Why? Because I want to hear. Because I don't want the mask to be a barrier for me connecting with people right? We got to re-engage with people. Why? Because Christ has called us to live in community with one another, not to attend a church service and then quickly run out. We need to engage with people, and they need engagement with us. Whether there are believers that need to engage within their community to strengthen them, or whether there are non-believers that we need to engage with them to share the love of Christ, we need to re-engage with people. So the question I hear you asking is, well, do we just re-engage with anyone? Because I had some pretty toxic relationships that, that COVID actually helped me separate from. How do I deal with those? Well, I'm so glad that you asked me because that's my second point today is this, is that we still have to have boundaries. When it comes to godly relationships, there's still boundaries that we need to have. There's a difference between being a people lover and a people pleaser. Loving people is reflecting how Christ has called us to live, but people pleasing is something that is usually birthed in a much deeper issue that manifests itself in us remaining in toxic relationships. How do I know? whether to engage, re-engage with someone or not. Well, here's the test. Maybe some of you have heard me talk about this before. It's, it's quite simple. This goes to any part of our relationships, how close we should get with other people, how tight we should be, how, how, how best friendy we should be. And, and this is the simple question is this. Is that person pulling you towards Jesus or are they pulling you away from Jesus? That's the simp- that is the simple test of how you should approach should i engage with some are they pulling you towards christ or are they pushing you away from christ let me explain if they pull you towards christ if there's a person in your world that just makes you want to love jesus more that they just, just being around them pulls you closer to Jesus. They don't have to be a pastor or captain spiritual. They might just be a person that really reflects Christ. They might just love people. They may have the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, they may have joy, peace, patience, kindness, fruitfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that all the fruit? That's all the fruit, right? They may have all those things, and so if there's if if someone in your world that pulls you closer to Christ, can I just give you a piece of advice? get around them do what you can to be in their world buy them lunch buy them coffee buy them things to get in their world no not that sounds bad I mean (laughs) don't manipulate them but like like if you want to hang out with someone say can I take you out for lunch and buy them lunch spend time get in their world I there are people in my life that pull me closer to Christ And so I make the effort to stay in their world, right? The second one is this, is that there are people that don't know Jesus, but your influence is greater on them than their influence is on you. So if there's someone in your world that doesn't know Jesus, but you influence them more than they influence you, guess what you should do? Get in their world Why? Because you could be the very thing that points them to Jesus for Jesus to save. You could be that car that brings them to Christ. You could be the person that they see Christ in. And so if you're thinking, oh, should I engage with, but they're not a Christian. Yes, if you have a greater influence over them than they have over you, engage, re-engage, and show them who Jesus is. The third is this, is that that person has a greater influence over you than you have of them. And my simple statement to that is this, put a boundary. Have a boundary with someone if they don't know Jesus, yet they have a greater influence over you than you have over them. This could be your family. This could be who you're dating this could be some friends that you have and this is where we need to understand you've got to understand this that even within church and even when within, within this idea of loving one another boundaries are not only okay but boundaries are required for us to be healthy and to be whole there are some toxic people in this world could i put it to you there are toxic people within this church don't look around but there are. We got thousands of people in our church, guess what? There are some toxic, mean people in our church. I don't know everyone that walks in through these doors. We handed out a whole bunch of new people bags today. There might be some lovely people, but there might be some toxic, no, I'm just kidding, there's not. No, we know the toxic people. And um, there's, some, there's toxic people in our church, right? And can I give you just a little insight into toxic people? they will run over you with no remorse they will screw you over with no remorse but how they go to church yeah judas went to church for three years with a much better pastor than me so if judas can turn on someone there's toxic people everywhere in our lives and unknowingly Sometimes because we take the Christ approach, we gotta love one another. You know what we do, unfortunately? We give the keys to people, to our lives, to just run over us. As much as we are called to love people, to serve and to lay down our life for them, that is our secondary call. Do you know what our first call is? It's to love Jesus. Galatians 1.10, I love Paul. Paul is just so blunt. He says, obviously, like, You're silly for thinking otherwise. That's what he's saying. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul can't make it any clearer. If a relationship with any person causes you to want to win the approval of that person more than the approval of God, then you've got an issue and you need to create a boundary. But aren't we as Christians? Pastor, we're supposed to love everyone. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. The, the good Samaritan story. We gotta love everyone. Yes, Jesus said, love everyone. But also, we've got a whole book of the Bible that gives us good advice and wisdom. And Paul gave Titus great wisdom in Titus chapter three, verse 10. He says, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him or her once And then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Paul's writing to Titus about people in church. Let me say that again. Paul's not writing about that annoying person at at your work. He's not writing about that annoying boss that you have that doesn't know Jesus and gives you a hard time. He's he's actually talking to Titus about people in the church. We always say this in our church, everyone is welcomed and accepted in our church unless you're divisive or you're doing something illegal. This year, for the very first time, I had to put a boundary with someone that was coming to our church who was divisive, who was involved in illegal activities. I had to sit down a bunch of our people and tell them, hey, this person is actually divisive. They're a liar. They're a scammer. We've had it verified. They've gone to different churches. And I actually had to put in a boundary. I had to do what Paul commanded Titus to do. I had to do it this year. It was was uncomfortable. It was awkward as a pastor, but I had to do it. Why? Because I had to put in boundaries for the sheep in our church because I needed to protect the sheep that were in our church. I need to protect the people that are in our church. And sometimes we've got to do things like that. The problem is, is that because we've been taught so much, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, which is so good, and we should so do it. The problem is when other people say, hey, listen, this person, they're not good. you got to create a boundary. There are some people that think that they are Jesus Christ themselves. And it's called something savior syndrome. Have you ever heard of Savior Syndrome? Savior Syndrome is simply this I think I can save you. Even though everybody else has, has said, put a boundary, stay away, get away from it. Savior Syndrome says, I, I don't care. I can save this person. I, I, which is crazy to me because it's like it, essentially they're saying, no, I know better than the hundred of you. I'm the one person that's hearing from God, right? This happened years ago. I remember there was a person that I dealt with in church. I tried everything, I loved them, I did everything, I connected, it was an up and down relationship, but I loved, I loved, I loved, and then at one point, this person just turned on me, just overnight, I can't even exaggerate how, it was like almost a a bipolar type, like who, who are you, you're a new person, right, just turned on me, it was terrible. The next person that came in behind me to begin to do the role, same thing, started a relationship with this person, you know, helping get them involved, everything. The exact same thing happened to that person as well. <laughs> a third person came into leadership probably 12 months later, and they came in and they started talking with me and this, the, the second guy about this other person, and I sat there and I said, listen, listen, I'm telling you, you need to have a boundary. This person has had a repeated pattern of behavior that happened even before me, repeated pattern of behavior, I'm telling you, it's going to cause you more headaches. You need to create a boundary. This person looked at me and goes, nah, 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 nah. It's okay. I got this, right? And, as I, and I was this person's leader, and I thought to myself, you know what? I could, like, stop him right now and make him not do this, but there's a piece of me that wants to see him learn the hard way. And guess what he did? He learned the hard way. The part, you see, I had the savior syndrome where you guys have failed. I'm not going to fail. I'm going to do this. And he was a bit of an arrogant, cocky guy and... He still is, to be honest, that person. And uh, but he failed. This guy did the exact same thing to the third person, and he came back. He goes, "I can't believe it. He did it." And I just had one of those wonderful, you know, wonderful, wonderful moments where I just said, "Man, I'm so sorry. I told you so." But I'm sorry that you went through it. We got we got to put boundaries in place sometimes with people, even within church. There are people that are manipulative. There's something that we talk about in church uh, called something called a Jezebel spirit. A Jezebel spirit is, it it deserves an entire series done on it. I I can't do it the justice by explaining it in just a moment But there's people within our church that have this Jezebel spirit, and if you want to read, you can go back to the book of Kings, and you could read about this evil woman called Jezebel who was a queen to a king called Ahab who had such a manipulative spirit, such an intimidating spirit, that Elijah, who had just called fire down from heaven, who had just slayed 400 of the prophets of Baal, came and was intimidated by this woman, this spirit of intimidation, and manipulation. We've had, unfortunately, even within our church, we've had leaders that have had the Jezebel spirit. And that's when the Jezebel spirit gets really bad, when it's people in leadership because then they use their leadership. I mean, these are people that will manipulate. These are people that are so smooth with how they talk. They manage to twist everything back to being your fault. They're the ones that always have an answer for everything. They're the ones that make you feel like you're wrong constantly, and that they're right. I mean, there's so much. Like I said, there's so much we can talk about, but can I tell you that if you feel so intimidated by someone or manipulated by someone that you can't even approach them, that's the red flag. Run. Put a boundary. But, but aren't I supposed to love like Jesus loved? No, 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 no. No. Jesus isn't telling you to stay in a toxic relationship and to be screwed over. Paul is writing this saying, if there's someone divisive, kick them out. He's saying, kick, get them out of the church. Well, that sounds like a cult. No, it doesn't. It sounds like a healthy environment. Where you won't accept toxicity and dysfunction you won't accept it either you have an encounter with jesus or you change in this or you need to leave why not because you're on your journey finding jesus but because you are hurting people i'm not talking about people that are on their journey trying to work out christ and trying to work this thing out and struggle with some sin no i'm talking about people who are manipulative people who are controlling people who are toxic people who are dysfunctional that are hurting other people, that's when we have to come and say, I need to have a boundary. That's a godly response to a godly relationship. You can say, you can even say, listen, I am not strong enough to be able to have a relationship with you. So I love you, but I love Jesus more than you. And when I'm with you, I struggle with my relationship with Jesus. So I'm just going to, even if it's a parent, even if it's a friend, a sibling, a tita or a tito, you know how toxic family relationships are here in the Philippines? We're gonna talk about it in the next six weeks. It's toxic. It's absolutely toxic. And if you love Jesus, so you're gonna to have to take a stand on certain things. One of the young girls in our church is gonna get married. Father's a Catholic, mother's a Christian, separated. The father is basically saying, I'm not coming to the wedding because you're gonna have a Christian wedding. Not a Catholic wedding. Firstly, I'm pretty sure Catholics still believe in the love of Jesus. It's terrible. You know how toxic that is to look at your daughter and say, it's not, I'm not gonna go because it's a it's a Christian wedding. It's absolutely toxic. I looked at that girl and I said, You know what? Take this as your persecution. Thank God you're not in the Middle East and you don't have a gun to your head and for this is your persecution, so stay strong. Go with your convictions and your beliefs, but there's just so much toxicity, and you've got, you've got to create a boundary. Even if it's apparent, you've got to say, hey, listen, i got to create a boundary. This isn't right. What's going on? And, and it's going to be difficult. You're going to get hate mail. You're gonna be ignored. You're gonna get the passive aggressive. You're gonna get the silent treatment. Everything I'm saying right now is absolute toxic. It's, it's so dysfunctional. It, it's terrible. If you're struggling with this, we have our healthy relationship series that is starting. What, why do you think we do healthy relationships like 28 times a year? Because we need it in the Philippines, right? We're actually doing it. We just keep doing this over and over. And people keep coming and crying. Why? Because we need it. This is godly relationships. Godly relationships are so, so vital for us. Can I tell you this? I want to make this statement, that having healthy, godly relationship is as much about cutting out unhealthy and ungodly relationships in our lives as it is about finding healthy relationships. There's much about cutting it out. So why does this all matter? Why does our relationship status matter? Because at the end of the day, we've been called to love God and to love others and to show people Christ. And I wanna be healthy enough in my relationship with God and healthy enough in my relationship with other people that I can actually reflect the love of Jesus. And if I find people in my world that I, it, it changes the way I am and it changes how I respond and it changes the fact of who I am and not re- reflecting Jesus and I'm gonna put a healthy boundary in. But you know what? I'm not gonna let that toxic person stop me from engaging with other people because there's some amazing people. There's some awesome people in this church. My life has been so blessed by meeting so many of you, by doing, My I am a better person because of the people in this church. I'm actually a better person because of of so many of you. And that's how Jesus has called us to live in community. Let's believe that we can have a healthy relationship status, regardless of our age, our stage in life, whether you're a teenager or whether you're seasoned or anything in between, you can have a healthy relationship status, amen? Do you know the healthiest relationship that you can have in your life? It's not between you and your parents or you and your friends or your siblings or even your spouse. The healthiest relationship that you can have is actually between you and Jesus. It's a wonderful relationship. It's a relationship with someone that will never let you down, it's a relationship with someone that has already proven his love to you and for you before you've even acknowledged his existence. Like, that's pretty amazing. So much of our love that we have with each other these days is conditional love. I'm gonna treat you nice if you treat me nice. I'm gonna trust you if you trust me. And, And that's actually okay. But with Jesus, it's an unconditional love. He died on the cross for you and for me. Whether we ever choose to acknowledge it or not, he died for us, why? because there's sin in our life sin is what separates us from god it's all the stuff that we do that's outside of how god would want us to live and a price need to be paid for that sin and jesus when he went to the cross and he died on the cross he paid the price of our sin but the power of the gospel the power of the good news the power of this story is not just the death but it's his resurrection that he rose after three days thus validating everything that he had preached for the previous three years he is alive he is risen he is seated right now at the right hand of the Father in heaven and he wants a relationship with you he wants a relationship with you where he's gonna help you through his Holy Spirit He's gonna help you deal with your dysfunction and with your toxic relationships and with all the failures that you and I have. He wants to help you. It's, this is the best relationship you could ever have. But it takes a moment of us humbling ourselves and saying, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins, come into my life. That's what it needs. And today, whether you're watching online right now, whether you're in this room, I wanna give you the chance. Maybe you've never made this decision before. Or maybe you made this decision a long time ago, but you walked away from God. I wanna give you a chance to respond. Could you all just bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment? Online, you you can do the exact same thing as well. If you're saying, hey, James, I'm that first person. I've never, ever done this before. Or you're saying, James, I'm that second person. I did this a long time ago, but I walked away from God. I'm gonna to count to three, and if that's you, I want you to lift your hands nice and high. If you're at home, I want you to do the same thing. If you're listening online, I want you to do the same thing right where you are. So if that's you, you're saying, James, that's me. On the count of three, you lift your hands. One, two, three. Right now, lift your hands all over this room. Awesome. Hands here, hands here in the middle. Hands up in the back left corner. Thank you, Jesus. Hands over in the back right. Hands in the middle, up the back. Wow, thank you, Jesus. So many hands raised, that's amazing. If you lifted your hand, I want you to put your hand on your heart right now. If you lifted your hand. If you're watching online, I want you to join with me. And we're all going to pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer that reflects what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans when he says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So we're all going to pray this. But those people that lifted your hands, I really want you to mean this prayer with all your heart. So come on, say it with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, everyone, say it. "Dear Dear Lord Jesus. Come to you right now. And I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you lived a sinless life. That you went to the cross. You died for my sins. But you rose again three days later. Right now I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Have a relationship with me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise for every person that just prayed that prayer? Thank you so much for listening in. At Favor Church, we're a family and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.